business is supposed to be very serious. <laughs> I no. sit in an office with Lego all around me. I don't think I got that memo. No, no Lego allowed. No, no tea or coffee geeking out. Serious work here. <laughs> yeah, serious business only. Serious business. <laughs> You're listening to the Visionary CEO Podcast, a series for entrepreneurs who want to escape the day-to-day grind while scaling their business to seven figures and beyond. And now, your hosts, Brianne Dick and Jill Giovanazzo. Season four is upon us of the Visionary CEO Podcast. I'm Brianne Dick, Jill Giovanazzo. We made it to season four. I know. It's actually really surprising. I remember way back when we started this, I wasn't sure about this whole podcast thing, but I, I think I've come into it. It's working out well. <laughs> yeah, I think it's so interesting to look back at how the past four seasons have gone. You know, we started off by walking through the framework and the methodology of like, how do you even get your business scalable? What does that even mean and look like? And then season two was, okay, let's give some examples. Let's give some case studies instead of just being theoretical. And, and season three, I think, was my favorite. Of course it was. Busting some myths. Like, yes. come on. <laughs> what, what can't be awesome about busting myths? Yeah. So talking about all the myths that get in people's way from being able to build that sustainable, scalable foundation. But I think we've covered the foundation pretty well over the past three seasons. I'll, I'll, I'll call it good for now. <laughs> I'm, I'm right. sure I, I can pull out more soapboxes. Would you like me to go find more soapboxes? I'm sure we will find plenty of soapboxes as we go through <laughs> this, this new season. But as we were talking about what we wanted this season to be about and, and how we wanted to approach it, what really came up in our conversations was just having the foundation for a scalable business isn't enough because business changes, it evolves, it grows, the the market changes, society changes, like we're never going to be at a place where you have your foundation and your work is done. And so I think what's really important and really interesting to, to talk about is, okay, what happens once you've got that foundation in place? What happens once you've got team profit results, like sorted, nailed? How do you make sure that three months from now or six months or now or three years from now or six years from now, that things aren't just going to fall back apart. Because I think that's what a lot of people are afraid of. They're like, I can get it right for now, but I'm afraid that I'll have done all this work and yet I'm still going to end up with a business that I hate or that isn't what I envisioned. Yep. And then I feel like I have to blow it up. And all of those fun things go with it. You're right. That is a key piece of the puzzle here because it's not enough just to put the foundation together and kind of like building a wall with a bunch of bricks. You have to put mortar in between the bricks. Otherwise, they'll eventually fall over. Can can I use my favorite analogy? I did lead that in there (laughs) just for you. Like building a a tower of bricks, like you said, it's like building Jenga, right? And you have a tower of these wood blocks that just sit on top of each other. But I don't know if you've ever played Jenga, but they're not the most stable towers. If you put that table on a tower, even if it was like perfectly built, you hadn't started moving any of the blocks around, it was nice and structured all perfectly. And then you walk by and you just like accidentally bump the edge of the table or something. Like those Jenga blocks are going to go flying. And that's what happens when we get these structural elements in place. And we just think about it as, oh, let's just put these components together. The contrast, you used the analogy of like mortar between bricks, me being the Lego nerd that I am. That you are. Yeah, I had to know this was coming. 
That's why Lego bricks have the studs on top so they can actually, it's actually a thing. It's called clutch power. There's a certain level of clutch power that Lego bricks have. And <laughs> what are you laughing at me for? It's true. Clutch power? I think this is the first time I've heard that one. Anyway, continue. <laughs> but the whole purpose of the studs is to make it so that the bricks will hold together, right? And they'll stay in whatever shape, your tower or your building or your airplane or whatever it happens to be that you've built. So even if you knock the table, the tower's not going to just fall apart. Anyway, I digress. That's my Lego soapbox for today. What were we talking well, about? <laughs> culture. Culture. Because culture is like, the studs on Lego or like the mortar between bricks, it holds things together. That's the glue, right? Culture is the glue. I, I spoiled it. Spoiled it. I just said culture. I didn't let you have the unveiling, but that's what it is. <laughs> culture is what allows you and your business to adapt and change and grow and scale and not just you, but your team and to be responsive to what's happening in the world around you. Yeah. And I think obviously we've talked a lot about culture. This is not the first time we've used the C word, not clutch power, culture. <laughs> it's not the first time we've talked about culture on the show, but really it's been one of these things that we talked about in passing. And I wanted to have the opportunity this season to go more deeply into it because I know there are a lot of people who want to build an amazing culture, right? They want their business to stand for something. They want to create the kind of company they always wanted to work for. They want to, you know, have amazing jobs for their team. They want to be standing up for social justice. And there's a risk in this that if you don't know how to do it, you end up being performative or just putting some, you know, spit and polish on something that's kind of a hot mess underneath. Well, and not just sometimes being performative. That's when you're, you're actively at least trying to create culture. It might not be in complete alignment. We'll talk about that in a second. But even if you don't actively create, culture will be created by default, right? And that culture, generally speaking, culture by default usually isn't culture that's going to help support and scale. Well, and culture by default is the culture that is the societal default, right? If we don't yes. intentionally choose our own culture, we end up with the culture that society gives to us, which is based on power dynamics. It's based on a very particular lens on who should be holding power and what that looks like. And so there's a lot to this. And that's why I'm really excited about this season because you know, Jill, you're, you're Métis, you're Indigenous. I'm obviously very white. We're both cisgender. We are obviously LGBTQ+. But all things considered, we are two people whose voices carry a lot of privilege. Yes, absolutely. And even at that, yes, I'm, I'm Métis. Yes, we're LGBTQ. But we grew up the standard cis white female yeah. in Canada. Yeah. And yeah, there's a lot of privilege inherent in that. In that. And I'll be honest, the, we talked a little bit about this in, in our, one of our first episodes in season one about the journey and the inherent unprivileged, I guess is the word I'm looking for, unprivileged space that a lot of people are working out of or living out of or building businesses out of all around the world. Yeah, or, or less privileged, maybe, rather than less privileged. Yeah, yeah, that's better. Thank you. I couldn't find the right word. It, was, <laughs> it wasn't coming out to my tongue. Yeah. And how that can be such a struggle. Yeah. 
And so this season, we wanted to invite other voices really to share in this conversation. And so we asked a number of our clients and our colleagues to share with us, you know, let, just let's have a conversation about how are you shaping the culture in your business and how are you shaping the culture with your team and how are you making sure that you're living your values and to really dig into that conversation. And so that's what we're going to do over the the next 10 episodes is we're going to go into these conversations and pull out some of the themes and the highlights and really talk, I think, in a really deep and intentional way about what it means to build a culture that is aligned with who you are and what you want to be showing up in the world with and how to do that in a way that's not performative, but something that is actually deep and intentional. One of our our colleagues, Sandra Halling, explored this so beautifully. So Sandra helps entrepreneurs and executives design workflows and systems and all that kind of stuff. But she used a word that I think really speaks to what this season is all about. We get to embody what we believe. We get to attract people into our space when those values are in alignment and we get to create a future that that feels enticing to us and blocks against that burnout and exhaustion. Yeah. Yeah. Embodiment. And Did you catch yeah, the word? That's, <laughs> that That's the word, right? To, to embody your values, to embody to body what you believe. And when you embody those things, when you live those things, that's when you'll start to, as she was saying, attract the people that resonate with it. I think what's so interesting around this idea of embodiment is that it's not just about you. And and that's why she used the word we. We Mm -hmm. embody. And that's why like values and culture are so tightly interlinked because if you want to have a certain culture, that's going to require everyone that interfaces with your business to be aligned around a set of values. It's not just alignment. Actually, let me define alignment, right? Alignment isn't just having the values and people agreeing with them, mm-hmm. right? It's actually having the values. And as people move through their day, as your team moves through their day, as you move through your day, making decisions that are in alignment with those values. And I, I recognize I, I did an iterative thing. I used alignment again. Mm-hmm. But your values, the, the decisions that you make have to hold true to the values of your company culture, mm-hmm. right? One of our values, for example, is that the journey matters. How you get there matters. And so for us, any decision that we make needs to also encompass the fact that it's not just about getting to the result, it's about how you got there. And so if a client is having a problem or if someone's asking us a question, it's about as much about the journey at to get them to the answer as it is about the answer itself. Yeah. I think it's also sometimes easy to or easier to identify these values and cultural day-to-day situations that you're talking about here, Jill, when we look at what happens when we're not embodying them and when we're not acting, as you said, in alignment. You know, for example, there's a lot of discussion actually around what is the right framework for a sales call and how should you handle (laughs) it and so on and so forth. And one of the things that is always a hot topic is this idea of objection handling or of overcoming objections, right? And there's kind of two main schools of thought about this. And one is that an objection is just an opportunity to make the sale, right? If someone has an objection, you should turn that objection around and turn it into a reason that they should buy. And then the other 
approach to it is objections are legitimate and you know if it's a question we can answer it but if someone's like this isn't the right time because my spouse is going into chemotherapy starting next week like that's actually a legitimate thing and maybe it's not the right time for them to be moving forward but what we end up with is this like tension between oh i gotta make sales oh i gotta do this oh i gotta do that And at the end of the day, the way you choose to show up in a sales call or the way that you instruct your team to show up in a sales call really should be reflective of your values. What do your values say is the right way to handle an objection? Now, I want to take one moment and just acknowledge that we jumped really quickly from talking about culture to talking about values. Good point. And that's because before we can actually get into culture, we have to recognize we talked about culture by default right? The opposite of that is conscious culture creation, right? Mm -hmm. To consciously create your culture, you have to know what that culture looks like. And the underlying principle behind that is to start by choosing your values, but not just by your values, but again, your business's values. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting distinction as well is to recognize your business has to have its own values, just like it has to have its own culture, right? It obviously needs to be representative of what you care about, but there may Mm -hmm. be differences between the way that your business chooses to prioritize things, for example, because it's not a human being. It's not a person. A business doesn't have a family, for example. A business doesn't have children, but That doesn't mean that the business can't have values around the relationships that team members or whatever may have with their families or their children or whatever. And so there's a difference there, which the language that we use to talk about it is there's a difference between the cultural systems that you have in your business, right? The frameworks that you use for like, how do we hire? How do we um, pay people? How do we communicate? All of those kind of system-y type of things. And then there's the behaviors you want to see or your values and actions, right? You want to see behavior that is value and action. And where those two things intersect is in your cultural practices, right? When you have systems and the way things that are done in your business and they are aligned, to use that word, with the values that you want to have demonstrated then you can say the way we hire is this way because that's how we show our values. To use the sales call example, the way we handle objection, our system for sales calls, the way we handle objections on sales calls is to do it this way. The practice is this because that practice shows our values. Yeah, exactly. Keeping in mind, as we were just talking about, the values for the business aren't necessarily always going to be the same. And this is a really key piece for me because honestly, I believe this part for myself for a while. You hear so often, go and follow your passion, right? Mm-hmm. That whole field of dreams kind of dilemma that if you build it, they, they will come. But they won't necessarily. And passion alone doesn't help you to build the business. Yeah. So the truth of the matter is that when you've done the work to clarify those values and how you want to show up in the world and the impact that you want to make, you need to do the same thing for your business Mm -hmm. and how it shows up in the world representing its values and its beliefs and its purpose, its vision, its mission. I think that's what's so interesting about what Sandra was saying is when we have 
embodiment of the values, when the business embodies values, not just you personally, but your team and the way you do things and the way you approach things, right? Remember, Sandra is a systems geek, right? She thinks in terms of systems and operations. And when those systems are also furthering your values in the world, that creates such an opportunity for you as the founder to be fully expressed because you're not living in this constant tension between oh, this is the way I'm supposed to do it in the business versus, but these are what my values say. And I think so many people end up burning out and exhausted because they've got these desired values and this desired culture over here, but there's a gap between what's actually happening in the business on a day-to-day basis and what you want to have happening. Our next guest actually talks about this in a really interesting way. This is going to be Rachel Luna. She's actually an international speaker and a master certified coach who helps her clients take action on their goals. And she's got a really clear focus on the values that she wants her business to embody. One of my core values is fun. And that was something that I remember when I started my business, it was almost like frowned upon to have fun, right? If you were not hustling hard and working until your fingers fell off and you had carpal tunnel and you were in the hospital, it was almost a badge of honor to get yourself in the hospital and then take that selfie with you and your laptop and the IV drip coming in and you're still hard charging. But then if you were having fun and you didn't post about it, If you actually went off on a vacation and you didn't post a selfie, then it didn't happen. And so for me, I really wanted to figure out a way to marry, you know, well, not really marry hustle because I'm not really interested in hustling, but to just find that delicate balance of I work with intention and I work with discipline and a lot of care and a lot of heart and love and joy for the work that I'm doing. And also, I'm having a heck of a lot of fun. And whether you see it or not, it's still happening. So that would be the the way that I would demonstrate one of our core values. I think fun is often overlooked in business. We all need a little more fun in our lives, yeah. I think. <laughs> well, and, and how many people, how many experts out there will tell you that fun, well, maybe aspirational, is it enough of for a value to actually express it? Like, Business is supposed to be very serious. <laughs> I you know, sit in an office with Lego all around me. I don't think I got that memo. No, no Lego allowed. No, no tea or coffee geeking out. Serious work here. <laughs> yeah, serious business only. Serious business. <laughs> I think what's interesting about what Rachel said here, though, and this goes to what we were talking about off the top, is this idea of of performative culture versus an authentic culture. This idea of if you didn't Instagram it or if you didn't tweet about it, if you didn't snap a selfie and post it on social, did it happen? And what I see so often is there's this idea of what it's supposed to look like to live your values, right? If you have a value for fun, that's supposed to look like selfies on the beach. It becomes like this whole brand thing. And then we get into a conversation about like brand versus company values versus personal values. And it all becomes 
again, this idea of just put a little spit shine and polish on, but who cares about what's going on underneath? Whereas if we flip this, which is what Rachel's saying, is if we flip it, fun can be a value, but it's not about what you post on social media. What's more important, actually, is the experience of being in the business, whether you're a client or a team member or the founder, is your experience fun? On a day-to-day, just mundane Tuesday afternoon, is it fun? And if it's not fun more often than not, I'm not saying it's always going to be fun, but If you're not having fun more often than not, that's a cultural misalignment, regardless of what your social media looks like. So one thing I want to talk about here is that we were joking about seriousness earlier. And I want to say that it's okay to be fun if that's what you want to have your culture embody some of. It's okay to be serious if that's what you want your culture to be embodying some of. The key piece here is that you're not trying to be, or rather your business isn't trying to be someone it's not or something it's not. That's the definition of performative, right? When you are performing some way outwardly that isn't actually reflective of what's going on the inside. Yeah, exactly. And the key piece for me in all of this, and we've been dancing around this, I'm going to do a little digression here for just a moment. Brianne will probably be glaring at me in the background, is that, you know, we're talking about fun. We're talking about serious. We're talking about, uh, earlier, we're talking about transparency, right? One word isn't enough. Yeah. You need to get clear on what does that word actually mean for the business? Yeah. How does that actually show up? One of the things that we talk about sometimes with our longer term clients is what are your guiding principles? So what would it look like for someone to be in their day-to-day prioritizing? It probably doesn't mean that they go to Disney and skip out on a commitment that they had, right? Oh, Disney might be more fun than going to this meeting, but that's probably not what we mean by fun. But if you just just use the word fun as your value, it's not going to tell you anything. There's so much around this. What does it mean to live it out? What does it look like to have it aligned? What does it look like to embody these values as a team? And we've talked in past seasons about this idea of a communications rhythm, right? Regular checkpoints where you're talking with your team and you're having these conversations. And one of the best things you can do, we talk about cultural systems, make your communications rhythm one of your cultural systems and figure out how can we be furthering our desired culture? How can we be doubling down on our values through the way we communicate with each other? Mm -hmm. And then utilizing that process to then explore the other areas to define and to see, are there gaps in other daily activities and the values that need to be addressed, right? In communications with our clients, in posting social media, those kinds of things. But to start with, you have to have that underlying cultural system that allows you to open that door. Yeah. But the other thing that comes into it is the profit side of the structures, right? Where we have to ask, are you building enough of a buffer in your business and your life to be able to say no to the client's that would end up having you and your business diverging from its values, right? Chasing the money, even though they're not a good fit. Mm -hmm. Culture touches on all of the parts of a business, right? And I think that's what's so interesting. And that's why we started off this episode by saying it, it really is about 
taking the foundation that you've built and that we've been talking about over the last few seasons and then saying, where do we go from here? And when Patrice Perkins shared about what that looks like for her business, I think it was such a really good example because, and, and you'll hear Patrice say this, you know, their values were always there. The, the mm-hmm. problem wasn't that they didn't have values. What's changed is how they express those values. So Patrice is an attorney and she's the founder of Creative Genius Law. And I'm just going to turn it over to her. I'll say that our firm's values were out there and pretty consistent from day one. What has evolved over time is the language that I use to describe the values has become clearer to me and more concise. And then also how um, those values play out with the team and how we do our day-to-day work. But the actual values have been consistent. And so from um, almost day one, we did have the um, benefit of being able to work with clients who are very like-minded because we, me in the beginning was very um, vocal about our values. So some of ours are creativity and freedom of choice. We never wanted to stifle our clients' creativity. Our role was to nurture it and use the law as a tool to make decisions for our clients. We provide them with the best options so that they can make the independent decision on their own. And then another value of ours was education and empowerment. Beyond the traditional legal service, I believed it was very important to educate our clients so that they could be more empowered in day-to-day decisions. Love, love, love that last piece there. The value of education and empowerment, especially for a legal situation. How many legal firms don't do that? They just do the work and you're left in the background going, okay, trust. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and trust is, that's the key. Uh, Nathan Barry, who's the founder of ConvertKit, has said before that to him, Company culture is all about trust. Do I trust what you're doing? Do you trust what I'm doing? Do our clients trust us? If you don't have the right culture, you won't have that trust. And conversely, if you don't trust the people around you and if they can't trust you, you're never going to have the kind of culture that you want because it comes down once again to what decisions are being made. And that's exactly what Patrice is saying here, right? It's easy to make decisions based on a spreadsheet or a scorecard or numbers, even if you're not a math fan, even if you don't <laughs> love spreadsheets. It's really easy for us to go back to the, the hard math, right? Mm-hmm. And say, this is the right decision. But when we start looking at and reckoning on that gap between where you are now and the values you want to express and how you move forward into expressing those values. That's where things get interesting. And that's where it might almost be counterintuitive sometimes. It might be numerically the wrong decision, right? It, you gave the example earlier, Jill, of saying no to certain clients because they're not a good fit for the way you want to go. And actually, many of the people who work with us in the academy, in that the very first week, when we have them look at purpose, vision, mission, and values, they realize that part of the reason that they don't love their business is because they don't love all of the people that they're working with. We just had a cohort of the academy, and that was what one of the folks said. She finished that exercise, and she said, now I realize why I haven't wanted to scale this business, because I thought it meant that I had to be surrounding myself with all the wrong people 
whether that's on the team or clients or whatever. And in fact, the opposite is true. It's only when you build your team and you scale based on a culture that really puts the values at the fore, that's the only way you make it in a way that's sustainable and that won't burn you out. It's in the end, it's that that purpose, that vision, that mission statement. This is something we ask every participant to work through because it's so crucial yeah. to being able to overhaul and then to grow from that point of growing and continuing to be the business that they want to have. Yeah. And that's really what we're going to talk about in the next couple of episodes, because your values are great. Culture is amazing, but it's not just about you and how you show up, right? It's about you have to have the right people around you. And that can be both having the right clients around you and attracting the right clients to your business. And it can also be attracting the right team members to your business. And that's what the next two episodes are going to explore is how do we use both marketing and client attraction and then team development and team attraction to really further and strengthen the culture that we want to be building. This is a topic that Brianne and I can talk lots about and you'll hear more about it as we go through season four. So just want to take a moment and just to say how much we appreciate you being here, welcoming you again to our fourth season. And thank you so much for listening. From the unceded territory of the Qualicum First Nations, I'm Jill Giovanazzo. This is also Brianne Dick. And thank you so much for listening. We'll see you on the next episode of the Visionary CEO Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Visionary CEO Podcast, hosted and produced by Brian Dick and Jill Giovanazzo. For more information about anything you've heard on the show, visit us on the web at visionaryceoacademy.com slash podcast. You can keep the conversation going on social media too. Just use the hashtag Visionary CEO Podcast. This has been a Podcast Taxi radio production for the Visionary CEO Academy. Hey, it's Brianne here. I just wanted to let you know that everything we're talking about in today's episode is part of what we do with clients at the Visionary CEO Academy. We've got a great program for strategists, coaches, and other online business owners that helps you scale from low or mid six figures to seven figures and beyond quickly, sustainably, and profitably. But most importantly, while keeping your values and your vision front and center. So whenever you're ready, just head on over to visionaryceoacademy.com slash podcast for more info and to get started.